The Holy Spirit had descended. I greet you on this blessed feast of Pentecost. I've been in many parishes in our diocese and in central Indiana, in Vespers and liturgy and various services. I don't want to compare, but I will say that we have a great treasure in the plain chant. And we are so blessed to be able to sing it beautifully, led by our singers this evening. The service of Vespers for Pentecost was very beautiful. So let us treasure these times. Every service that we come to only happens once a year. Every year it's different, depending on the time of year and and what the feast is and what the day is. But it's always a blessed feast. Today I want to continue this series of talks about our patron saint, St. John Maximovich. You know, we have a great blessing in having him as our patron, as our intercessor. And so it is very fitting that we learn more about him so that we can imitate his holy life. So we continue with these testimonials, these witnesses of his holy life. We have this from Pierre Kovaleski, who is the author of a book called Russia Abroad. Over the last 50 years, the Russian church outside of Russia not only accomplished great cultural and spiritual works, but also provided many examples of holiness and grace. One of these was Archbishop John Maximovich, who during his life was considered by many to be a fool. Only after his death was he valued for his high Christian standards. He saved thousands of his flock from China and was an amazing and ascetic and man of prayer. By the way, I heard from Bishop Peter of the Russian Orthodox Church abroad at a a lecture a few years ago. He served, he was an altar boy for St. John and then later became a bishop in Rokor. He disputes the idea that St. John was a fool for Christ. Now, a fool for Christ is a special ascetic calling, which some people choose, where people actually feign madness, craziness, in order to avoid getting any praise for their holiness. And according to Bishop Peter, this was not, was, this was not the case with St. John. He may have looked that way because of his certain physical features, the way he dressed, the way he kept himself. But he was not intentionally trying to be crazy or look crazy. He was simply living a very humble, holy, ascetic life. And that when he served and when he governed as bishop, according to Bishop Peter, he served as a prince as royalty within the church, not as a fool for for Christ. And as I said, some some of the saints did have that calling. They did very strange things. St. Xenia of Petersburg is a very good example. 
<clears throat> and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people were called to that. We have this account from N. and M. Zernov, also from the book Russia Abroad. Russian students, like Russian professors, differed from Serbs. The majority of the latter graduated from seminary prepared to become priests. They regarded the study of theology as a step facilitating their ability to move up the hierarchical ladder. Their relationship to the church was more casual, although many of them were also sincere believers. We Russians, however, were preparing to serve the persecuted church. No secure career, but totally, total uncertainty awaited us. In other words, Russian students who were preparing for the priesthood had no idea what was going to happen to them, where they were going to serve, what kind of church they would have, where would they, there would even be a Russian church because of the persecution of the communists. Among us were a significant number of rare and gifted people who left their mark on the life of the Russian immigration. Undoubtedly, the most remarkable of them was Mikhail Borisovich Maximovich, later Archbishop John. Of slight stature, with massive broad shoulders, puffy cheeks, and red lips protruding from a reddish little Russian-style mustache. He, had, he made a great impression of concentrated inner strength. As he did not associate much with other students, it was only toward the end of the course of study that I got to know him a bit better, and we had a few friendly conversations. So this was apparently a fellow student of his, studying at the same time that he was studying. He was very poor and earned a living selling newspapers. Belgrade in those years would be covered with impenetrable mud during its rainy season. Maximovich wore a heavy fur coat and old Russian boots. He would tumble into the classroom rather late. I think his whole life he was late for, for everything that he did. Thickly covered with street mud, take out a soiled notebook and chewed up pencil and start taking lecture notes with his large handwriting. Soon after that, he would fall asleep. But as soon as he woke up, he would immediately resume his writing. So any of you who fall asleep in church, that's okay. St. John fell asleep. In church, in school, in class, it's all right. In fact, I take it as a compliment if people can come to church and fall asleep because that means we have created a peaceful environment for them to rest, to rest in the Lord. You know, there are some people, though, especially I've noticed this in men, some men sitting in the pew, as soon as the sermon starts, Boom, their lights, <laughs> their lights are out. <laughs> Eyes go closed, dazed over, as soon as the preacher starts. Anyway, that's the cross they have to make. <clears throat> Many of us were curious to find out what sort of notes 
Maximovich managed to come up with, but no one had the gumption to ask if they would, could read his notes. This unusual student became the most remarkable bishop of the Russian church abroad. After graduating from the university, he entered monasticism and became a priest. For, he taught, for a time, he, sought at the, he taught at the seminary in Bitol. In 1934, he was consecrated bishop and was sent to Shanghai. There, Bishop John led the life of an austere ascetic. He denied himself food and sleep, wore sandals without socks in winter as well as in summer, and his cassock resembled more the attire of a beggar than that of a bishop. His behavior would provoke a feeling of embarrassment among those around him because of his foolishness. Some considered him to be abnormal, but this did not stop him from carrying the responsibility of seeing to the material and spiritual needs of his flock, or from being untiringly helpful to all those in need. Now, one of the reasons he was late is he would allow himself to be interrupted by anybody for any reason at any time. If... if if he had an opportunity to fulfill the commandments of Christ, even if it was going to make him late for liturgy or the airport or whatever, he would stop and take care of it. <clears throat> he started an orphanage for homeless children whom he managed to evacuate first to the Philippines and then to America. Many Russians are indebted to him for the deliverance from the communists when the, when the latter departed, occupied Shanghai. After leaving China, Bishop John settled in France, and in 1962 he received the cathedral post in San Francisco, where he died on July 2, 1966. Many now revere him as a saint. And finally, this reminiscence from another person who witnessed His Holiness. This are, these are notes from Shanghai, 1938 to 1948. In Shanghai, John unceasingly manifested his concern and attention and spiritually guided us children. Every year, he personally administered the catechism exams at all the Russian schools and orphanages throughout the city of Shanghai. He required that all the children know without fail the name of their own saint, the story of their life, and on their saint's day that they receive communion. The school's annual patronal feast, the day of St. Cyril and Methodius, the first teachers of the Slavs, was celebrated by having the children from all the schools participate in the divine liturgy on the day, that day at the cathedral. The choir consisted of youth singers from different schools. After liturgy, food was served in the cathedral courtyard. In the midst of hundreds of children, Vladika himself was present. That must have been something to see. In the city of Shanghai, 
All these school children gathered from all the parochial schools gathered in the cathedral around Bishop John. I grew up and lived in the St. Olga Orphanage at the convent with Abbas Aradnia and studied at the S.E. Dieterix Girls High School. Vadika felt that at the convent, the girls should participate in serving him and putting on his vestments during the services. From the age of 10 to 16, I was fortunate to be assigned as a server for, for Vladika. And when I was in San Francisco talking and hearing these talks from these people who served with St. John, there was a woman there who was one of these altar servers. He allowed the young girls in the convents to be altar servers for him. For a few years, I also went to St. Sophia Catholic School. The nuns there were missionaries who tried to convert the children to Roman Catholicism. And Vladika struggled against the idea of Russian Orthodox children going there to school. He would come to the school gates at the end of the school day, meet us and bless us. He would sternly tell us that we should not be wearing those uniforms or go to that school, that we had our own Russian schools. And this is a great shame for the, Rush, for the Orthodox Church to have to send children to Catholic schools or Protestant schools. This should not be done. We should send our children to homeschool them or we should get our act together and establish Orthodox schools. St. John felt very strongly about this, as did St. Nectarius of Aegina. They both preached about this a lot. Christmas was celebrated according to the old Russian tradition. After the solemn vigil at the convent, we, a group of girls' school teachers led by the, one of the nuns, walked through the sleeping city to the cathedral with a lighted Christmas star to glorify Christ and to, to congratulate Vladika with the feast. He received us in his quarters, beaming with joy. After glorifying Christ, we went up to him by turn for his blessing, and each of us received from him a small bag of sweets, which filled up large baskets piled up in his cell. As a Christmas present, we gave him woolen socks, which we knitted, had knitted ourselves. To our, ch to our chagrin, we, we later saw these same socks being worn by street beggars. <laughs> That reminds me of the story of the man who gave away his coat to a beggar in the street. And then later he saw that his same coat in a pawn shop. The beggar had sold it, probably for alcohol. And he was very disturbed. But then he had a vision of Christ wearing, guess what? His coat. So everything that we give for Christ is received by Christ, regardless of what the person who receives it does with it. Along the way, there was the house of mercy for men and a refuge with a church for elderly women. Further down, there was a prison. We knew that Ladika would visit all of these institutions. His whole life as a bishop, he just, every day he spent time in hospitals, mental hospitals, prisons, all kinds of institutions, 
comforting the sick, praying for people, giving Holy Communion. Never stop doing this, even as a hierarch. In bad weather, wet through and through, wearing sandals on bare feet, he would go into the convent church, venerate the altar and all the holy miracle-working icons, and then he would go up the back stairs to the third floor to the children in the orphanage. After singing Ispola eti dispata, we would approach Velika for his blessing. He would ask us our saints' names, what their life stories were about, and from which evangelist the day's appointed gospel was read. Just as in our parish, we all agree to read the epistle and the gospel for each day, St. John wanted his children, his orphans, to have know what the gospel was for that day. He also wanted to know if we had enough to eat. During World War II, when times were really tough in terms of getting enough food, the orphanage would get soup from the public cafeteria. Then Vladika would taste the food himself, scooping up a spoonful straight from the pot. In spite of his strictness towards us, we were drawn to Vladika, and whenever we saw him walking through the city, we ran toward him to receive his blessing. With Vladika, we children had a good and happy time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. Amen.